cut from the same cloth, you and I. We can't do anything without crying. It's good. We all love it. Um, we are creatures of habit at this church, and I'm up here to announce the children being dismissed, but I think most of them are gone already because we usually do it before the offertory. So we're all thrown off today. So I'm going to have you all stand. And we're going to dismiss the kids, and parents of ages 3 and 4 need to go with your kids and sign in, and it's ages 3 to grade 5, right, that go downstairs, and uh, 3 and 4 parents, you go with your kids, and the rest of us are going to greet each other. Find someone new, find someone around you, talk about your summer, whatever you want, enjoy. When you're done visiting, if you don't want to listen to me, I won't be offended. I'm not Pastor Gary. I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, you know I couldn't let something go. He's on holidays today. You know, I'm not going to take it. Should I take it personally that he's never here when he asks me to preach? I shouldn't, right? He asks me to preach and then he goes on holidays. going to happen the same next month too. But I'm not taking it personally. So it's been an amazing, crazy hard surprisingly fun year. It's hard to describe the ups and downs of being a mom, but let's just say it's nice to come to work for a break. (laughs) It's been an interesting year for me because this last year is the first time in over 12 years that I was a part of a church family. Not an active staff member, just a part of the family. And it was so neat to see this family through those eyes, to just come on Sunday and be a part of what goes on here. And it's quite a different experience for me. 
also it was insightful to see how it was my responsibility to stay connected and to be involved in church life and how it was something that I needed to do for me. And so I, I encourage you today, if you are newer, newer, and you still don't feel connected in this family, uh, that you should do something to... St- okay, thanks. Thanks so much. Oh, wow, you got me like a big glass and everything. That's so wonderful. Thank you. I don't think I'll go through this, but... Thanks, Ruth. So I encourage you to reach out. If you don't feel connected and you're newer, newer... Or maybe you've been here a long time and you're going through a season of not feeling connected. Find a smaller community within this larger community. That's what I had to learn this year. I realized it was my responsibility to feel like I belonged. The ball was in my court to call somebody when I needed help and to find support within the church body. And I discovered it's not easy because everybody thinks the pastors are so well connected and they've got all these friends, but sometimes... Uh, We are alone with our baby at home. Uh, So I found out that, yes, it's my responsibility to make my needs known, but I also want to be a person who is ready to meet the needs of others. And I want to position myself so that I am approachable for others. I want to be someone who is ready and available to meet someone else's needs, no questions asked. So if you're here and you're wondering what I'm talking about, today is my first official day back from a year of mat leave. And it feels very good to be back. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Okay. Okay. I was hoping you would clap for me. Okay, thanks. Okay. Let's not pretend I didn't want you to clap. Okay. Um, (laughs) So just so everybody knows, I'm back in a .6 position. So I'm back part-time, so I'll be around the church from Sunday to Wednesday. And uh, Gary Jr. is still going to be here in a full-time position and it's wonderful that the the church saw this need for growth and we're expanding and doing all sorts of things and uh, it's great that I still can be included in this way. My baby Hurley is going to be one in two weeks and it's only this past week that he learned to crawl and as I watched other moms chase their seven or eight or nine month old my boy was just content to chill until last week. And I blame Pastor Ruth. She spent an hour alone with him last Sunday, and here's what happened at home on Monday. Oh, we need the sound. get on Monday <laughs> chasing around the room so it's it's really great okay that's all I'm gonna say about that it's a rude awakening for me he was 11 and a half months before he crawled I know I was spoiled well it's no secret that when I preach I just basically share the latest journey that I have been on with the Lord and what he's been teaching me and I preach to me and you are welcome to listen and today is no different So being a wife and a mother has caused me to reach out to God in a brand new way, with a brand new desperation. (laughs) 
one that says each morning before my feet hit the floor, God, if you don't help me today, I can't do this. This has been an interesting place for me to be because it's only in these times when I let go and I can really feel that God's working in my life and I definitely know it's not in my own strength at all. I think it was about the third or fourth month of no more than three or four hours of straight sleep a night that I was sitting on my bed with my head in my hands crying, saying, Lord, I need your strength or I can't continue. And I would immediately feel this strength rise inside me. And I would get up and I would do what I needed to do with an indescribable peace. And there's nothing like that. (laughs) There were also times when I would lash out in anger or tiredness. I know you're very surprised about this. Um, (laughs) Or mess up in other ways. And I would ask for forgiveness. And I would feel this lingering guilt. And I would feel this voice say, there you go again. You know those voices in our heads, the ones we hear that sometimes are positive and sometimes are negative. Some might call this our conscience, but today I want to take a deeper look at what those voices are. Take a look at this with me. We appreciate your time. What oh, we're going to do? Um, can I maybe go first because I have to get back soon. Oh, okay, I, I guess we'll just okay. jump right into it. Right this way. Why don't you give us a brief job description? My job description? Well, I really consider myself to be a guardian of the law. You know, evil lurks at every corner, and I'm the one that's there to make sure my client stays out of any and all danger. And how exactly do you do this? With guilt. Yeah, guilt. You know, lay on heavy sense of guilt and remorse, and they'll learn their lesson. R-rated movies, guilt. Cussing, guilt. Not tithing, total guilt. You know, but if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. So, you've really got to be strict with these sort of things. Shame works too. Um, Lust, greed, envy, selfishness. You hit them with a bit of shame, and they'll snap right out of it. Sure, sure. I get the idea. Well, thanks. We appreciate your time. Yeah. I I better get back. You never know what they'll do when you're not looking. Next. Could you give us a brief job description? Yeah, I like to see myself as being the trustworthy friend, kind of whispering the things that need to be said. You know, words that lead to love, grace, kindness. Could you elaborate? Sure, I I guess I just want to ensure that my client leads a life of righteousness. So how do you do that? Guilt? Shame? Yeah, I mean, those are quick and dirty tools, but I'd rather um, lead my client towards a life that mimics Jesus Christ. Who? Jesus. Look, I feel the most effective way is to develop a trusting relationship where the client knows he can rely on my voice. For example, when he does follow my lead and sees the positive results in his life, the right way kind of unfolds like on a map. As wisdom grows, he makes the right choices without too much bother from me. That's where we like to have the client, operational on their own. Occasionally I have to step back in, but uh, he knows my voice now and he's learned to trust me. Sounds like you got a good thing going there. Yeah, it's, it's been a long journey and we still have our struggles, but we normally get back on track. Well, thanks again for coming out. We really do appreciate it. Sure, no problem. 
So a few months ago, I began this journey of relearning the difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the condemnation of the enemy of my soul. This is something that every believer must realize. The enemy of our soul would love nothing more to have us drown in condemnation from others, from ourselves, or him. He will do anything in his power to draw us away from God, and God's amazing love and God is saying, come to me. And as I was researching this, I realized I was not alone. The enemy works overtime in this department. So I want to take a look today at the difference between condemnation and conviction. And I've pieced this together from several sources and several scriptures. How can we tell the difference between condemnation and conviction? And how can we live by conviction and not under condemnation? Let's do a little background first. So God created the world perfect, but Satan, our enemy, wanted to destroy that. So through humanity choosing to go against what God had commanded, sin entered the world, which separated us from God. So God's plan of redemption was sent in his perfect son, who was tempted at all points like we are, yet without sin. He was sent to die for us, to be the perfect sacrifice. And after Jesus died on the cross, he was raised from the dead and showed himself to hundreds of people before ascending to heaven. But before he died, he was talking to his disciples about what was going to happen. And in John 14, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. So when we decide to follow Jesus to give our lives to him, his Holy Spirit lives in us, and his purpose is to guide us into all truth. But the enemy of our soul comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have and enjoy our life. A lot of people who would call themselves Christ followers hear condemning thoughts, And some even think it's God telling them these things. And that is just not true. I can recall lots of times talking to people whose view of God was all out of whack. They viewed him as an angry, mean judge just waiting to catch them in sin so he could punish them. They don't see him as loving at all because sometimes of personal circumstances, maybe a loved one has died and they felt their prayers went unanswered. There are all kinds of reasons why people have an improper view of God. And if that's you today, I challenge you not to tune me out, but to open your heart to a God that through his Holy Spirit today would say to you, I love you. I'm not about uh, giving the enemy too much credit, but sometimes we don't realize that he also has a plan for our lives. He also is drawing us to himself, and sometimes he disguises himself as a sheep, but the closer you get, you realize it's really a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's wanting to destroy us. That's his plan. But we are not meant to live under condemnation. We have the privilege of living for Christ and having the Holy Spirit convict us and help us. But we have to fight for it. We have to resist that wrong voice and actually do what the right voice is leading us to do. And that's hard sometimes. 
So I want to take a look at four differences between condemnation and conviction. The first one is, condemnation comes from Satan and is meant to draw you away from God. But conviction comes from God's Holy Spirit and is meant to draw you to God. Often after having done something I shouldn't have, I think about talking to God, but sometimes the first thing I hear is, he won't want to talk to you. There you go again, same thing. How many times do you think he's going to forgive you for the same thing? And if I think about and dwell on those comments, I feel shame and I feel guilt, and that pushes me further and further away from God. When the voice I should be listening to is Jesus saying, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. There are two feelings we can experience after we've sinned, conviction and condemnation. Conviction, as we said, is from the Holy Spirit. It prompts us to confess our sin and to be restored. It doesn't mean we don't acknowledge that we've sinned and we don't have to ask for forgiveness. It brings it to light. We confess it. We can be restored to fellowship so God can continue to bless us. Its purpose is to draw us closer to God. Condemnation is from the enemy, trying to convince us that we're no good and that God will never forgive us. Its purpose is to keep us away from God by making us feel shame and feel guilt. You know that tendency we have sometimes when we've done something wrong to say, well, I might as well keep going now. I've already messed up. What is that? That's condemnation. Christians are free from condemnation, but conviction is another matter. The Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts when we accept Christ as Lord. He awakens us to those things in our lives that are unpleasing to God. This is called conviction. It is the Spirit of God nudging us to avoid sin and to live the way that God has intended us to live. <clears throat> In John twelve forty seven, Jesus said, He came not to condemn the world, but to save it. God never tells you what a loser you are. He shows you what a Savior he is. God never tells you what a loser you are. He shows you what a Savior he is. In Romans 8.1, we read, There is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. What does that phrase mean? Well, the Apostle Paul uses it frequently, and it refers to the eternal relationship we have with Christ. At the moment we are saved, we enjoy a new standing before God. It is a perfect standing that results from all of our sin being forgiven, No behavior or conduct can ever have any effect on that relationship if we are in Christ Jesus. Because this forgiveness is something that God has done through Jesus dying on the cross. And it's just an amazing thing. So conviction draws us to God. Secondly, condemnation continually points out what a failure you are and how badly you've messed up. But conviction points to how amazing Jesus Christ is and his forgiveness that washes us clean. Why won't you ever hear God telling you what a failure you are? Because not only is God willing to forgive your sins, but he longs to do so. Isaiah 30, verse 18. I found this scripture this week, and it's just amazing. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. Is that not amazing? He longs to be gracious to you. And he waits on high to have compassion 
on you. When I worked in Edmonton as a young adult pastor, I remember several conversations with people who just couldn't accept Jesus and his forgiveness because it was too easy. It means we don't have control. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It is free, and somehow that just doesn't make sense to us. That's hard for people to accept a free gift. It's hard to grasp that Jesus' forgiveness is for all sin. We see in the Bible people who lied and who stole, and others who committed adultery and murder, and all these sins receive the same forgiveness. That's how amazing God is. And I've also had many conversations with even my own family members who think it's all about being a good person. But being a good person doesn't reconcile the sin problem because we are born into sin. And that has never been clearer to me since becoming a mom. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish. You don't have to teach them to scream no or grab toys away from their, hand, from their friends or pull their mother's hair. They're born like that. What we need to teach them is patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. And 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. Did anybody catch that? Are you sleeping? Are you awake now? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know I made a mistake. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now we're on the same page. So conviction draws us to God. Conviction points us to an amazing Savior and His forgiveness. And thirdly, condemnation only shows you the problem. It shows you your sin, your failures, your hang-ups, addictions. And that can get pretty heavy and hopeless. But conviction, yes, it exposes sin. Yes, We're about exposing sin, but it doesn't stop there. Conviction shows you the solution. A continual personal relationship with Jesus Christ who forgives you of all sin and loves you. Conviction is known in the Bible as godly sorrow. God's word tells us that godly sorrow is what leads us to repentance. Condemnation tells you, you're such a failure. Look at what you did. While conviction tells you, come to me, look at what I did. And Jesus would say that to us today. Come to me, look at what I did. Conviction shows you the answer to your problem. Conviction shows you the blood of Jesus Christ that wipes away your sins. So conviction draws us to God. Conviction points us to an amazing Savior. And conviction shows us the solution which is a personal relationship with Christ who forgives us of all sin. Fourthly, condemnation is meant to tear you down, but conviction is meant to build you up in your faith. Beyond conviction of daily sin, the Spirit of God does something else. He lets us know not only when we've done something wrong, but when we've done something right. He is delighted on those occasions when He fills us with the satisfaction of knowing that we've been obedient to his Holy Spirit. That's an amazing feeling. He reveals God's approval so that we can be encouraged that we are living the kind of life that God wants us to lead. In every action we take, the Holy Spirit of God is guiding us to do what is right and pleasing to God. 
And I've had a lot of conversations with young adults who decide to live this Jesus-based life as adults. And it's so neat to hear about the Holy Spirit guiding and convicting them. I remember specifically this one girl who uh, had never been to church before. She had no background. She came to our young adult service and received Jesus as much as she knew what that meant. Wanted to decide to live for him. And so we started meeting and I started counseling her and helping her and discipling her and bringing her along on this journey. And it was so cool that she was the one that was saying to me, because I, I was just letting her talk to me and and um, I didn't want to just give her a list of do's and don'ts, but just show her a loving God and, and let the Holy Spirit do his work. And we would get together and she would say to me, okay, Cher, so um, last weekend all my friends went out and I didn't want to go with them and party and get drunk. Now, why would that be? <laughs> and so... <laughs> I got the privilege of sharing with her about the Holy Spirit that's living inside of her now because she wants to live for Jesus and he's the one that's guiding her and leading her away from sin and toward God and he's wanting to help her make the best choices for her life. And it's so awesome to experience that for yourself and to also watch someone as an adult just figure all this out. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and disobedience and encourages us toward living the Spirit-filled life. He convicts, but he never condemns. So if you're being drawn closer to God, you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But if you feel like hiding from God, and begin to doubt his love for you, you're feeling condemnation from the enemy. And don't accept that. The Bible says, if you submit yourself to Christ then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. But you have to submit yourself to Christ. If you submit yourself to Christ, then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. The enemy is accusing. The Holy Spirit is loving. And he encourages us in Matthew, Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The enemy is vague in general. He brings a choking sense of guilt as though everything is wrong and there's no way to fix it. And the Holy Spirit is specific. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is specific to the sin. The Spirit shows you the sin, draws you to repentance, and helps you to turn away and turn toward God. The enemy is discouraging. He centers his attack on you as a person, on your self-image, on your self-worth. And he'd like to make you feel weak and like you're not loved by God and that you're not chosen. But the Holy Spirit is encouraging. He encourages you to rely on God's power, not on your own righteousness or strength. Because let me tell you, without his strength, none of us could live this life. He comforts and encourages us. And he makes the brokenhearted feel freedom. The enemy wants you to remember your past. He replays the memories of past sin and guilt and shame. And the Holy Spirit wants you to forget your past and remember your future. The Holy Spirit tells you your sin is forgotten, cleansed, removed, and never can be held against you. And he points you to the cross where Jesus died. The enemy works to isolate you. This is a big one. This, is, it, this happens so much in the church. The enemy works to isolate you. Suggestions are planted that cause you withdraw from other Christians 
and works on your mind so that you think you're being rejected. And then in your isolation, you can feel lonely and hurt and unworthy and rejected by others. In 2 Corinthians, we see that it says the enemy works to blind our minds. He works to divide us from others. But the Holy Spirit draws us into fellowship. The Spirit sends others to minister to you in love. We need to learn to accept others' words of encouragement and to appreciate one another and their ministry to us. And I experienced this firsthand when I lived in China. When I first got out of Bible college, I went to China for two years. And there was a girl there, and I became close with her. She was on our team. She was from Canada, but on our team in China. And I felt drawn to confide in her some things that I was struggling in with in my life, and no one else knew about these things. And she helped me and prayed with me and became my accountability partner. And I can't even explain to you the freedom I felt after I did that. And I am convinced that we are not meant to walk this road alone. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit, but not only does he draw us to God, but he draws us into fellowship. He draws us with others. And there is something about secrets that the enemy uses to destroy us. But when you bring it to light, you realize there's really nothing he can hurt you with anymore. I feel like there are people here who have been burned by this. Maybe you have confided in someone you thought was a godly friend and it was not an experience led by the Holy Spirit. You felt condemned by them, so you've withdrawn. And you've decided you're never going to open up again. And the Holy Spirit today would draw you back into fellowship. Yes, we need to be wise who we confide in, but there are those who God has gifted and called to be our encouragement and to be our listening ear. I honestly believe that. So if the servers who are helping us could get ready at this time, as we close today, I want to reflect with a time of communion. A time to allow God's Holy Spirit to solidify in us what he he is doing in our hearts, what his word is doing in our hearts. If you have decided, even in this service, to live your life for Christ, then you are welcome to join with us in this. If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, don't be embarrassed. Just pass the juice and cracker by and you can observe. You're more than welcome. For those of us participating, please wait and we'll receive and communion and do it all together in a little bit, okay? So how do we silence the voice of the enemy and tune into that still small voice drawing us to God and his amazing grace and his amazing plan for our lives? Well, we recognize the difference in the voices. You've got to recognize the difference in the voices. Reject the one and listen to the other. And I realized that this is, some, is not something that I can arrive at in my own strength. But I need God's power and help because the enemy will not give up till he's destroyed me. love is more powerful if I decide to accept it and allow it to work in my life. In 1 Corinthians 11, 
Paul talks about when we take communion, when we take communion, we must examine ourselves. We need to keep short accounts with the Holy Spirit. And it's in this time that we can once again push away the enemy's voice and tune in to the voice of the Holy Spirit that's drawing us to God. Servers, why don't you come and serve us? Thank you so much for doing that. Carrie's going to lead us in a song. And I encourage you to do this. Shut out the distraction around you and really examine your heart. Are you following the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Or are you living under the condemnation of the enemy? Lead us, Carrie. Your Holy Spirit
thank you for this time of reflection. God, what an amazing thing we have to remember your sacrifice by. What an amazing thing that in one moment we can be under condemnation and we can be living, listening to the voice of the enemy and in one second we can turn our lives. And we can be led by your Holy Spirit and we can experience your forgiveness. And God, we don't take that lightly. And we thank you. We thank you so much for sending your Son to die for us. For sending your Holy Spirit to live in us. That we don't have to be alone. We don't have to feel alone. And that you draw us yourself and give us the strength to be the kind of person that draws others to you as well. So God, as we eat this bread and drink this cup, I pray that it would be in a brand new way for us today. That we would look at it like we've never looked at it before. And we wouldn't do it lightly. But that every time we do this now, we would remember that this remembering your death and resurrection also reminds us that your Holy Spirit was sent to live in us. And so help us to keep short accounts, God, with your Holy Spirit. Help us to follow that voice drawing us towards you and your perfect plan and away from sin and the enemy of our soul. We thank you, Lord. Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it. And he said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take it together. also after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me let's do it together can you just thank him even under your breath in your mind in your heart out loud if you want thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Can you thank the Lord, thank God for the Holy Spirit that's living in you? Drawing you towards God. We are in a fight, my friends. The Bible is clear that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers of darkness. It's so sad to me that I can talk to people all the time. This happens more than you would think. I talk to people all the time that have gone to church their entire lives. They have been a leader in the church and they have no idea what a personal relationship on an everyday basis with Jesus Christ even looks like, even means. And that is so sad to me 
that you can go to church your entire life and not know what it means to have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you and guiding you because it's about relationship. It's not about a list of rules. (laughs) And that may be you today. So why don't we stand together and I'm going to dismiss shortly, but I really feel like there are those who need prayer today. And maybe you have lived wanting to be what you think is a Christian, being a good person and tithing and obeying a list of rules, but you have missed the part about God's Holy Spirit living on the inside of you and tapping into His power that causes us to live the way God has called us to live and gives us the strength to be a light to the world and gives us the strength to say no to the enemy and to the voice of condemnation but to say yes to the love of Christ. So maybe today is the day that you decide to stop listening to the condemnation of the enemy and living by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, it's, there's never going to be a time where you have arrived and you cannot do this anymore. We have to always be on our guard. The enemy will not quit, but neither will God. So there are people who would love to pray with you today. And even if that's, if you have been isolating yourself and today is the day that you need fellowship, this is for you as well. And um, prayer team, if you could be ready and be close here. And we're going to make this place a prayer room. And Carrie and the team is going to lead us in worship. And I just really feel like whether it's in your seat by yourself or whether it's praying with the person you came with or a friend, or coming up and one of us would love to talk with you and pray with you. There is some business that needs to be done with the Holy Spirit today. So I ask you to be sensitive to that. Lord, thank you so much that you teach us from your word, that you remind us with things like communion, not only about your amazing grace and your amazing love, but about your Holy Spirit that helps us every day. And so, God, I ask for the strength that is needed in this room to do what is needed. There might need to be forgiveness that happens horizontally, forgiveness that happens vertically, whatever it is that needs to happen in this room. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and lead into all truth. And so we thank you, Lord. Thank you for how you are moving in our lives. And God, I ask that this would not just be another sermon we hear, but this would be a life-changing experience from your word. And so God, help that make sense in our hearts and help help us to understand how that lives out tomorrow to Saturday until we meet again. So God, I thank you. I pray that we would be aware of your presence in our lives how you're leading and guiding us. Thank you for your protection and for your blessing.